um, about a year ago, you're, you're, you're in class and you're a speech teacher and things are going well. Maybe you got one or two speeches um, done face to face and all of a sudden you get an email or some notification from an administration or somebody at your university saying that for the next couple of weeks or so, you are going to be online only, that there's going to be no face to face. Uh, because of this global pandemic that people are learning about this COVID-19 thing that's going around the globe. And so all of a sudden you're thrown into uh, what I would call a hot mess. You need to learn technology. You need to kind of instruct students and get everybody on the same page to record speeches with the hope that maybe it's one speech or maybe it's a very short term. However, then you get the other email or notification saying, you know what, we are shutting stuff down. We are doing everything virtual from the, now until the end of the semester. And for me, that happened about spring break and we ended up half of our semester being online only. So in that time and over the course of one year, I've learned a lot. And so today I am here with my colleague um, I learned a lot of do's and don'ts. And so today I'm here with my colleague Annette Davies, and we are here to talk to you about public speaking in the age of social distancing, preparing speeches in an online environment. And so in the light of COVID and the transition to online learning, we are here again to talk about what we've noticed that has worked and what has not worked. So we're going to start out with some introductions. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce myself. I am Richard Shuda. I teach and have taught uh, for the last about six years in um, a Midwest University, um, some universities in the Midwest, uh, teaching primarily the public speech course, though I've taught a couple other communication studies courses. I'm a communication studies um, instructor, uh, have my master's degree in communication studies, and currently working on my PhD in communication studies in a school that is largely online. My program has been hybrid, so um, I do have some experience with online learning, which really helped me transition, whereas some of my colleagues struggled a little bit with the transition to the online side. Um, but I've done uh, with my post-secondary teaching, I have a post-secondary teaching certificate as well, where I was able to learn how to instruct online, which helped me. And so now I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, Annette Davies, for uh, introduction, and then we will get into our little discussion on the do's and don'ts, the good and the bad. Thank you, Rick. So I'm so happy to be here with you today. As Rick had mentioned, I'm Annette Davies. I uh, have been a communications instructor for about nine years now. I received my master's in communications and my PhD in communications as well. That program was primarily online. So I have experience as a student in an online environment and as an instructor in an online environment. I've been teaching online for about uh, four years now. And uh, when COVID first happened and the pandemic first hit, we did, like you said, Rick, we also transitioned to online learning and we, I was able to see, you know, there was some struggles that happened there. There was some uh, difficulties making that transition. It was, I think, difficult for a lot of us to move all of our classes that were traditionally in seat to an online environment in such Absolutely. a quick setting. We were all getting used to the technology. We uh, were all becoming a little bit more uh, familiar with how to deliver online presentations, both in a public speaking course and other courses as well. Absolutely. And as you said, I think in the past year, since we've been primarily online, uh, I've taught, as I mentioned, I've taught a number of classes online before, but I recently started doing public speaking online. And in, 
in well, as you said, I've been noticing a lot of those, some of the things, you know, that's worked, some of the things that haven't worked over, over the last year. And so absolutely, I'm so excited to be here today to kind of talk about our experiences and, and, and discuss what we've seen and discuss uh, some ways that we have found in our own research and in our own experience on how to improve absolutely. delivering online presentations, whether it's for a public speaking class or whether it's for a professional setting, whether it's a job interview, whether it's a uh, academic conference. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one thing um, I will just say as well, I'll add to is, you know, it's not only just for schooling, you know, and I, I, I've reminded my students of this and I, I, I tell them that this is, yeah, you're being sort of forced into doing these speeches online for social distancing and my classes have been reduced. So we do reduce class sizes. So the time frame in the class is face to face is less. So it's harder to do that. But with social distancing requirements, but recording speeches and having video presentations or online presentations is a way with the global environment and the global economy. And it is something that I remind students like, hey, you're gonna have to get this down and the techniques that you learn here and the things that I point out to you is to make you professionals. And you know, it's something you are right. going to have to apply. So don't think of it as such. So, right. And I don't think that they're you know pre presenting in a virtual environment is necessarily going to be over once the pandemic is over. I think, you know, one of the things that a lot of organizations have really learned is that, or have really um, you know figured out is how to present uh, virtually and and realize that a lot of the the, the you know different employee connectivity strategies can really be done yeah, virtually. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a cost savings too. you know, businesses, yeah. businesses looking at bottom line, universities really, you know, with enrollments fluctuating as much as they are across different parts of the country, you know, um, universities trying to save a few dollars here and there are, you know, say limiting travel and stuff. So it's right. more and more, more, and more online programs, academic programs are popping up. Absolutely. Public Absolutely. speaking is, is becoming part of um, a, a core requirement in, in a number of majors. Absolutely. Absolutely. As it is at my school, it is a required course for students to graduate. So we're here to provide the do's and don'ts. Yeah. All right. So um, one of the things, you know, let's start off with, with practicing because that is definitely a huge area that I encourage my students to do. Practice, 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 right? Yes. Because ideally, and what I tell them, ideally, the more that you practice, the more comfortable you will become with the material and the less likely that public speaking anxiety or that communication apprehension will will affect you. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it won't, but it might reduce it a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me just kind of let me jump in here real quick. Um, you know, one of the things, one thing I do beginning in my classes, like introductions, you know, we all do that introduction, introduce yourself. And I always ask students, what are you looking forward to a class? And what are you not looking forward to a class or whatever? And everybody's like, and I know students coming into a public speaking class, because I get a lot of the first years, you know, I get a few seniors or whatever, later students, but most of them are first year students coming in first time in college. And they don't have enough experience public speaking, surprisingly, and they always dread given the speeches and the fear and the anxiety. So I always tell them, the more you do it, the more you speak, the more yeah. you speak, the more you speak, the more you speak, the more comfortable you will become. And I tell them you have to practice. And so, and that, because I said that practice is really, then you know what you're doing. You go up there and it's like, oh, I've done this before. And so the practice is really, really a key thing. 
And it doesn't change whether you're doing it online. I think students get this mindset like, hey, I'm recording this. I can do it. It's not a big deal. It's much easier. I don't have the audience, that personal audience in front of me. But you still have to practice. And for me, I tell them, you know, hey, practice three to five times minimum. The whole speech, three to five times? Three to five times minimum, yeah. maybe more. But I, I also feel like for those, you know, when you study for a test, you study so much that it really doesn't help you that it probably for practicing speeches, like if you've practiced it 100 times, that 101st time probably isn't going to really change much. So it's for each individual, I think, yeah, minimum See, three to five. That's yeah. how I, I look at it. The question, well, how long is enough practice time? And that's a really tough question to answer. It is. Right. That's like saying, well, how long is, you know, if I type out a page, how long is that going to take me to say in a speech? You know, that could take that one question. minute, that could take 10 minutes. Depends. Pauses, breaths, questions. You know, it, there's a lot of uh, variance that, that can come into play here when we're talking about um, time framing. Uh, I always tell my students, you know, look, there's a loose guideline in the field that suggests one hour of practice time or preparation time per one minute of speech. So if you have a three minute speech, then according to this loose guideline, you should be considered or you may want to consider about three hours of preparation time. Sure. Now that preparation time includes research, includes writing, includes rehearsing. So it's not just, you know, that they're sitting there for three hours repetitively just saying their speech over and over. That's all of, you know, that's yeah. the, the kind of the loose guideline that I always say. Um, you know, some different, most public speakers find what works for them and that, you know, what works for one public speaker doesn't necessarily work for another. Absolutely. So that loose guideline isn't necessarily... Yeah, it's more of a, a soft guideline. Than absolutely. Anything. You know, absolutely. And I tell students too, I said, you know, I don't know what goes on in your lives. You know, everybody has a different background. Some, some may be parents, some may be yeah. having, are paying for their college and working two jobs. Some have other things going on in their lives. And so I say, you know, one practicing at least once is better than not practicing at all. Simply put, yeah, just sure. do not not practice. Right, absolutely. You know, and I say, you know, if you get to three to five, you're probably getting in a good range, you know, and that's just, a, that's just a number that I pull, you know, because I think if you start doing that, so yeah, there is nothing hard and set, you know, some people can, very few can naturally just go up there and wing it. Um, I think you do need that practice. Um, and I think, you know, these students who have that anxiety, now there are some who come in with some performing arts background and they have their techniques. And I say, use that, use that technique. Absolutely. Just, you know, but I also tell them too that performing and giving a speech are really two different things. I don't want you to think of it as a performance. You can use the techniques. But, you know, again, you're you're exactly right. Everybody has their own way of doing things, their own time. Some can practice like twice. Some can practice, say, using your your general rule, some can practice for, you know, three hours or six hours, whatever yeah. it takes to do, you know, or one hour for, what did you say, one hour for every minute. Yeah. So maybe some can practice seven hours, take all that time and be right. good. So yeah, it is very loose, yeah. but they have to practice. Now with the practicing, do you, how do you, how do you tell students to practice? What I mean by do you like ask them to record it, do the mirror thing? I, I do. So I always, even before the pandemic hit, I, I always recommended that they use, you know, their phones or they use something to record themselves and then go back and watch the playback of that recording and conduct kind of a self-analysis here. So 
and and I now that there were you know moving more transitioning more to online environments and public speaking classes are becoming more and more online and and we see this as really becoming um, you know more prevalent in the future even after the pandemic's over I really really do encourage that and not just practicing recording on your phone you know if you know you're going to be presenting via Zoom see if you can contact a friend on on Zoom and practice your speech while you are zooming with them. You know, you want to see how you look on camera, how you move on camera, pay attention to your eye contact on camera, which are all things we're going to kind of get into a little bit later on in this podcast. But in, from a practice standpoint, I would say if you know you're doing a virtual presentation, the best way to practice, if we're talking about practice methodology, is to practice with and on the technology that you plan on presenting on. Absolutely. No, I, I am... 10,000% in agreement. And one of the things I do is when we went to the transition is I created a module, a practice speech module. I told students, use this module throughout the semester, practice your speeches, practice different things. I don't say you have to submit your final or your full speech. If you want to like practice, like you want to try a new technique, you want to check your lighting out, mm -hmm. record like a minute of a, just anything. You could just recite the newspaper, just a minute of something and upload it to this video and then you can ask me to look at it or you can ask peer to look at it or you can go back and look at it um submit your practice speeches get my feedback as well but practice using this technology practice uploading because that's the one thing i found is the uploading of students struggle with that technology and the uploading yeah. and how many times i put the instructions out there and walk through it come speech time no they would i would always get these emails like hey i need an extension and or i they would they would not load their speeches properly and i do have that module there to practice the technology if they want to try stuff check your sound you know things that we're going to talk about here absolutely going yeah. forward but they have you know taking advantage oh sorry go ahead no go ahead go ahead i just want to speak to what you had said about the mirror um concept of practicing to me you know, I, I always, I, I don't discourage students from practicing in front of the mirror. For, like I said, for some people, practicing in front of a mirror can be really beneficial. For me, I, I know myself well enough to know that I cannot rehearse in front of a mirror. I get way too distracted. I'll stop my speech, <laughs> I'll pick a line again. You know, I'll, I'll look around the, 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 my bathroom mirror. I'll realize I'm low on toothpaste. Because <laughs> all, all your toothpaste is on the mirror, right? Yes. I, you know, I, I, I have to pluck my eyebrows. Like there's always <laughs> something, you know, uh, there's always a huge distraction going on. Absolutely. So for me, I, I, and that's one of the benefits I find about recording, you know, with, with the technology is that it sort of forces you to run through the entire speech or at least, you know, the goal that you set for yourself. Yeah, it's not just... as distracting as something like the mirror where you can easily start and stop yeah and you get to see and you get to hear what your students are going to hear and i always i always yeah. tell students when you talk about different lessons that there are things you know as a speaker there's things you may not notice you're doing but your audience will notice some of those nonverbal distraction things and if you record it and play it back you get to see what your audience is going to see and you get to hear what your audience is going to hear and it's it's always tough i always say it's always tough to listen to yourself again it's always tough to practice in front of friends close friends or family but it's always they always give you the best feedback too yeah you know yeah. and you noticing yourself and the things that you are doing and identifying but yeah. definitely don't skip the practice and right. i think i agree with the mirror thing too i never use it recording it or 
you know, in in the past, when we, you know, without the social distancing and face to face, you know, pull in a few of your roommates or whatever and record your, your practice your speech in front of them. But, you know, with the with the online environment, I think the practicing with the recording, making sure things work, testing sound, all of that is really, really um, important. Yeah. So now that you know, so. so let's say, you know, we're walking through this, we've recorded that, you know, we've written our speech, we've researched our speech, you are ready to deliver it, maybe you've practiced it. And you're sitting down and your social distance, your university, like a lot of my students live in the dorms, so they don't have a lot of places to go on campus. Um, what is the environment that you look for to do you I mean do you have issues with environment or what are the things that you've seen maybe tell me some good maybe tell me some bad that you've seen yeah. in some of these speeches over the course of a year because i'll tell you i've seen some pretty i want to chuckle <laughs> i mean i've seen people delivering from a bed i've seen yeah, some I've pretty seen yeah mm -hmm. some pretty dark um environments i've you know like the lighting i've seen people that have very bad busy sound quality is bad sound quality yeah bad, uh, mm -hmm. some very busy busy backgrounds yeah yes. so, and that why don't you go ahead and tell me what you've seen and then i can kind of fill in my yeah so i i you know agree with you again i think a lot of us were thrown into this a year ago and so there we were scrambling to try to find the best env environment to deliver these presentations. Um, one of the things I always tell my students is yes, even though it's a public speaking class, you know, public speaking is a, in, in many cases, a, a required skill for a lot of uh, industries and is really oh, yeah. important to the job boards, regardless of the industry that you're in. If you in. actually look at job descriptions, I've, um, I've taught a business communication class in the past, but if you look at a job, if you look at a job description, what are those top skills? Like when you look at the skills, required skills, what are the top two? Written and oral communication. It's right. something with communication. So yeah, this is the skill that will get you the job. You don't have to have the hard skills, like, hey, I can go in and program a computer. You can learn that on the job, but if you can't communicate and sell yourself. Right. And exactly. and that's that's what I tell my students, you know, that that even though this is a public speaking course, you want to think about this as a as if this were a professional setting. You know, I, I want them to be prepared to go out into the workforce to say, OK, I know how to deliver a presentation in a professional setting. I know what to say. I know what to do. I know how to uh, create this conducive environment, you know, for these online presentations. Um, or if they, you know, if they're back, if we're back in, you know, in person, then then that as well, that they also understand how to deliver speeches in person. Um, so, you know, there's different suggestions I've seen, you know, in some of the, the readings that I've been doing and some of the literature that I've been doing in my own research to try to figure out what what works. I've seen different suggestions on you know how what the what a conducive environment for a virtual presentation looks like i've i've seen suggestions for people that say you know for some authors or or um professionals that say you should you know sit three to four feet from a wall some of them say you should you know have a um the the rule of threes which says you know the rule of threes is kind of this interior design rule that says you know like three vases or three books or some sort of uh, three candles some sort of set of threes is visually appealing to the eye so if you put that in the background it creates a little bit of texture uh, you know and, and a visual appeal 
you know, the, the thing that I would say is to my students that posed this question to me, you know, they may not, and it's not just students, this may go for anybody, you know, maybe you don't have a, a private office that, you know, where you can conduct a, a virtual presentation. So, uh, you know, maybe you don't have, you know, a, a huge bookshelf lined with all of these books, or, you know, maybe you don't have these beautiful, you know, paintings or plants that you could, could use. If you can, great, but not everybody has that to, <clears throat> to their advantage. So then the question becomes, if you can't kind of put, create this somewhat you know, professional looking background with a nice picture or a nice plant or three nice candles or, or, you know, a bookshelf or something, what do you do? You know, what, what do you advise students to do in that situation? Um, in, my, in my case, because, you know, I, I tell students like, you know, you're in college and this go, I'm going to kind of tie two things together, background and dress a little bit, and we can go back and elaborate sure. a little bit on dress yeah. because I know a lot of instructors may say, you know what, when you do speeches, you have to dress up. I tell students because a lot of my students are coming from say art classes or hands-on classes um, that the don't worry about that but and this is the same thing with the background is like you you don't have a lot of choice if you live in the dorms you don't have a lot of choice on what you can do you're very limited especially if campus is very restricted on movement and where people can be and that so I say be mindful of what you're doing now in class is not going to be the same. So I would instruct them on what you told us with the rules and all of that, have something in the background, don't have your political flags and don't have a lot of busyness, keep all that personal stuff, maybe just a picture that's not um, overly colorful, very neutral colors, uh, you don't want super bright colors. If you are giving a professional environment that you're gonna have to figure something out if it's, but for my class, I, I give a little bit of leeway um, and I, I'll maybe note, you know, things. So, yeah, it's it's more of like, hey, be mindful of this, be mindful of this in the future, because they are kind of restricted. But I would agree with you that, uh, you know, have something in the background. But I've seen students who have their very political, whether it was candidate A or candidate B for president. You know, in the background, I would say don't have that. Don't have your, you know, Sports Illustrated stuff up there, or <laughs> don't have your, you know, um, yeah, just stuff that would really right. cause someone in a professional environment to look at that and subconsciously maybe make a decision based on you as a candidate if you're applying for a job. So sure. very neutral, you know. More I'm, of a neutral, yeah, absolutely. More yeah, of a like neutral, I mean, we're like muted background. Yeah, like I'm looking at our backgrounds, which you probably you won't see because this will be an audio. But you know, we have both of us have very good backgrounds, very limited amount of stuff. You know, we're we're not sitting too close to the visuals in the background, and so, um, you know, if you can get a painting or a picture that's just a very neutral in color, and you're a few feet away from it, so you're not right on top of it, because it's all about who, what is the focus, right? And it's always about the speaker. It's the speaker is the focus. And so the more you have in the background, the distracting. Now, I've also seen students who have delivered in, I don't know if it's their laundry room area or a game area in their dorms. And it's, it really looks like a prison. It's just a bunch of white walls and it's very boring. And that actually becomes a distraction to me too. That's mm -hmm. like, okay, yes, here's that speaker. But there's nothing there to give it contrast. That depth, that, you know, the, the texture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, but it's like they, 
I can't tell them like you have to go and find a picture and pin it to the wall, you know, because they are limited. And, you know, if they, if they have roommates, their roommates might have other stuff going on. So it's, it's that balance when they're as instructors or as students that we might not have as much leeway, but I do instruct them on what to look for into preparing them for that professional environment that professional presentation in the future. Now, since we are talking about backgrounds, what do you think about blurred backgrounds? Do you have any thoughts on that, Annette? The, the virtual backgrounds? Yeah, the virtual backgrounds, the blurred yeah. background. So that- I mean, different, because different programs. I know um, uh, there's another recording program out there that my school uses that that does have it. I don't know if others have that or not. They do. And, and so I know exactly, you know, there's different programs that offer different virtual backgrounds. And some of them are very, um, elaborate backgrounds you know it looks like they're it, it, it can make you look like you're in a meadow or it can make you look like you're in outer space with comets you know shooting behind your yeah. head um so you know i i understand why and this is something that we've talked about other colleagues and myself we've talked about before you know should we have students should we allow students virtual backgrounds uh, you know, some students are unco- may, may be uncomfortable showing their home environment or their living environment on camera, so they prefer to use a virtual background, which I completely understand. The only thing I would say is if you're going to use a virtual background to make sure it's not busy and moving, like, you know, as a, when you're those backgrounds where you're in out of space and there's, you know, stars shooting behind your head, that can be very, very distracting. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I would say is if you use a virtual background, that's perfectly okay, but I still would, as a as a backup plan, make sure you are still in a professional, um, somewhat, you know, the environment around you when you're filming this or recording this or when you're presenting, that it still looks, has it, it still follows that conducive environment that we had talked about, because I have seen presentations where people are using virtual backgrounds and there's a glitch in the system and the virtual background cuts out and then you just see their their actual environment behind them you got their kids their kids jumping on their bed in their diapers or something going crazy yeah. you know? right well that's that so you you, you got to be prepared for that you know if you're going to use that virtual background technology is not 100 percent, and Absolutely. sometimes things can go wrong so i would say that if you're going to do it then then you know use the virtual background try aim for something that's not moving you know, that's, that's a little bit less distracting. Some of them have just kind of solid backgrounds, which I think are fine. Yeah, I would, um, you know, if it were me, you know, I think the blurred background of the ones I've seen, and I'm trying to think of my own experiences because I've used these sort of in department meetings and depart- people in other meetings have used them. I think the, if, if at possible, I think the blurred background is the safest mm-hmm. just because it's, it's not too busy to me. I've seen other, you know, because, you know, it's one of those, I guess, judgments, like, what are you going to, you'd have to play through them. And I think different ones could work. I'm just trying to think of the program that we've used and the different ones that I've seen. And to me, they all seem a little busy and they end up being more distracted from my own experience, my own experience. Now, different programs might have different ones that work better. I would say, you know, just from my, my experience, the blurred background is probably the safest. Mm -hmm. I, I've never seen a blurred background on the programs we use. So okay. I don't know. I yeah. So the one the one the one program that we have at my school that we do a lot of our department meetings and virtual meetings does have a blurred background. It just blurs everything out. So it just um, blocks it. Where I, I've seen other ones, it's like you're out in, you know, 
Italy somewhere. It's kind of got that Italian feel to it. Or you mentioned the meadow. Mm -hmm. Another one I've seen, it's got like this very white open. Um, I, I'm not an art artist, so I don't know the proper art deco or whatever proper term, but it's just this white open studio space. Right. And it's just, it's just, it, it just seems too much to me. Yeah. So I would say that, that to not, if you're going to use them, make sure you aim for ones that's a little bit more neutral, a little bit more muted and not as busy. That would and, be. And I would recommend asking people. You know, people Absolutely. around you, like if you have, if you do have coworkers around you, or if you get somebody, you know, if you can get somebody or instructor, if you want to use these, reach out to your instructor. I mean, we're there. That's where we're there to help you instruct you on make these most professional. Reach out to us and say, what does this background look like? What do you think of this background? We can tell you. No, you think this is too busy or this, this virtual background is too much. Maybe change different ones. You know, right. I mean, right away, if they jump up there, like, hey, what do you think of this? And it's like Star Wars going on in the background <laughs> and they right. get sound effects going. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. no it's or like the manhattan street you know sometimes all the manhattan streets background where it's like you know cars honking in the background yeah so, too much too much yeah. there um can we talk about lighting for a minute because that that is something that i have seen with with some virtual presentations the lighting some in some cases have been so dark oh. difficult to see people and as public speaking instructors and as communication professionals you know that's one of the things we really look to in order to um, perceive and understand messages you know facial expressions hand gestures so when that lighting in virtual presentations are off that can really uh, that you know that really impacts our ability to to the audience or colleagues' ability to understand a message. So, what are your uh, what are your tips for lighting? Yeah, uh, for lighting, um, I don't know if it's really specific tips. I because again, a lot of it's based on where students are able to deliver their speeches. But I do point out, like, hey, if they have a window, try to close their blinds. Try to maybe put the lights in front of them um overhead lights tend to create a glare um windows don't sit with the window behind you yes yeah because going back to that one area where i've noticed students in their dorms that looks kind of like a prison is very empty is they have like a window that sits behind them and there's that glare and it mm -hmm. creates and that becomes the focus again it's kind of like those nonverbal distractions in class like people playing with their hair or whatever it becomes the distraction and so when the lighting is poor if it's next to you or maybe right behind you and your computer camera picks up on that and it magnifies it it really magnifies it all of a sudden it's not the speaker you're looking at it's that glow off of the speaker and and both of us wear glasses that becomes right. the other problem is that light hits that glasses yeah. and it creates that glare and all of a sudden it's like you can't focus on the eye contact you can't judge the eye contact you can't judge because your eyes draw in so i had a student it was probably last year as we were kind of learning all this and going through this and learning the technology had such a glare off their glasses that it really became the only thing i could focus on and it's it's so memorable yeah. it's still ingrained into my brain so you know you have to play with it you have to practice you do. But... you do and sometimes if you take a lamp and you like move a lamp next to or just behind your computer screen that can help cut down on the glare on the glasses also sometimes keeping your chin down a little bit more as opposed to keeping like your head the more your head goes up sometimes that light reflects off of those glasses more yeah, than when your chin is down and and um you know that's that is something that i 
that I, I have noticed too, that, that there can be a, a big glare on those glasses. And, and sometimes uh, you can almost see what's on somebody's computer screen if they're close enough to their camera lens and the glare is being picked up, their glasses have a glare to them, you can see the reflection from their computer screen. I've had students who have had um, points docked because they're supposed to deliver from an outline versus a written full manuscript where their glasses, the glare off the glasses has given it, it away. away is given away but yeah. yeah it's 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 those things it's those things that you really again it all goes back to the focus should be you the speaker and not those the lighting the glare you know we need to see you and if you are giving an interview they want to see you the person they don't want to see that glare and how does it and you have to always ask that question how does this look to that person on the other end if i'm making a million dollar contract pitch what is it that how does this appearance look because appearance, you know, that appearance sells, you know, first appearances are absolutely. Um, and that's, oh. and you raise a really good point about that. And, and you kind of have mentioned it earlier, which I did want to go back to about clothing and attire. So I, I noticed that you had said that you don't make your students wear professional attire. I don't, I don't either because it's just, you know, it's, it's difficult in that setting. Like you said, some of my students, you know, might come from art classes or sports. And so that's difficult to, you know, come in in a full, you know, suit or, or, Absolutely. you know, business clothing or something. Um, I do recommend it. Oh, and I do too. I do too. I say, you know what, I recommend it. You know, you'll feel helps with your confidence. Absolutely. And, and that, and if you're home, you know, if you're home delivering speeches um, or you're about to present virtually, particularly if it's a professional setting, I, I absolutely stand by that and recommend that professional attire. There have been some studies that have even looked at how clothing can impact uh, the cognitive uh, psychological process and people tend to um, you know, really feel more confident when they, in some cases, may feel more confident when they actually have that professional uh, attire on, as opposed to you know sweatpants and a you know and a sweatshirt or something. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it definitely and it really for me because I do have a lot of students who are doing various projects and a little bit more this year because we did do the hybrid, so students are doing some face-to-face -face things mm -hmm. at. Um, I would not, if we were doing speeches, I would not expect them to, because they are, a lot of them are doing a lot of dealing with ink and paint, right. construction stuff right. that I can't expect them to carry clothes around, you know, I have to yeah. assume that they're coming from these other classes and they, or they have to run to another class as well. But I, I make it very specific, I very specifically tell them that what you do in this class, you do not want to be doing when you are giving a job interview, you have to dress up, you have to very conservative clothing, um colors now it's because it is a fundamental course i don't go into as much detail as i did maybe in my business professional communication courses but i do mention you know conservative clothing good solid colors um what are your thoughts on that i know you sure. yeah, so, so i used to um be involved in in more of like the uh, performing arts film production before i got into academia so you know some of some of what I tell my students really stems from that experience. You know, we used to tell cast or actors or people that were in front of the camera, if there are certain colors that look good on camera and there are certain colors that don't look good on camera. Uh, things like colors like, like black, white, uh, and anything striped tends to not striped because it can roll on camera and it kind of looks like it's moving. The colors that tend to look a little bit better on camera 
are uh, like like blues, yellows, purples, uh, reds, uh, greens. Depending on if you're obviously if you're using a green screen, then you can't use greens. But um, you know, usually in most cases you're not. So usually, you know, those those primary colors or, or bright colors tend to look a little bit better on camera. I would also advise my students to be aware of things like that make a lot of noise because in a lot of these virtual programs, the microphones are really sensitive. So if you have, you know, earrings that are um, long and dangly and maybe they make a lot of noise or if you have a necklace or, or you know, a string of bracelets or something that are making a lot of noise in when you're delivering a speech face to face, it might not be that uh, it might not impact the audio quality that much, but sometimes in virtual presentations, it absolutely can because these mics, you're so much closer to the mic and these mics really can pick up a lot of that. So I would tell them to sort of be um, be leery of, you know, that jewelry that you're wearing on camera. Also jewelry, uh, we talked about glasses having a glare. Jewelry in much of the same way can also have a glare. Absolutely. So that's the other reason why, you know, practicing, going back to what we were first saying, in, in at the start of our conversation, practicing and practicing with the technology, put on, you know, do that dress rehearsal, put on what you plan on wearing for that presentation, put on the jewelry, put on the, the clothing, see how it looks, you know, Zoom with a friend or, or use, um, you know, use the software program you're going to be using to talk to a, a colleague or a classmate and, and, and examine how it looks before actually presenting. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree there. So the standing versus sitting debate, because I know you and I have talked about this in the past, right? Yeah, we disagree. We disagree on something or that. We disagree on something. We agree usually on like 99.9%, .9%, but we disagree on this one. Yeah. I am, when it comes to recording speeches, I am all about sitting. And here's why. Now, I'm, I'm okay with the people standing, but the problem is um, what I've noticed, and this was something last year when I didn't really give instructions, but then this year I said specifically, or I, I made recommendations, here's what I would like, is if you are standing, students don't have the proper microphones or they don't set up the proper, they don't have the proper setup. So what I end up getting is a very difficult, hard to hear speech and they are standing really far back that it, it just, it seems like they're so far back, it's hard to really judge a lot of it, but it really comes down to being able to hear them. So I recommend students sit for these speeches because I think a lot of times in these speeches you'll be doing in your professional environments, you'll probably be sitting anyways, and you get the better sound quality. You sound more, you sound there versus very distant. Um, there, there does run into some other, issues that we'll talk about here in a moment when you're sitting versus standing but i'm i'm really about i i think sitting is okay i'm fine with sitting there if students want to stand if students want to stand they have to again go to the practice what does it sound like do they have a good microphone can they pick up their sound quality yeah so I've seen it both ways. I, I think the vast majority of my students sit, but I have seen several of them that stand. I, I don't discourage them from standing. Some people are just more comfortable standing. Some people find when they stand, they have, you know, they're a little bit more animated. They have a little bit more energy. So if, you know, and, and as I said earlier, what works for some speakers don't always work. What works for one speaker may not work for another. Right. So sometimes it's really just a matter of personal preference. Yeah, but Here's what I would say to anyone that's considering the, you know, sit or not to sit debate. Um, you know, if you're going to stand, 
the same rules apply to standing as sitting. So normally when you're sitting, you know, I would tell people to sit three or four feet from the camera to make sure that you are positioned in the center of the camera to make sure that we can see, you know, there's a little room on the top of your head that we can, you know, it cuts off maybe at, the camera cuts off maybe at your rib cage so that we can see, you know, your hand gestures, we can see your facial expressions. I would say the same rules apply in, stand, in a standing setting. Uh, that if you're going to stand, make sure you have an ability to pick that laptop or that computer up to a comfortable level. You don't want to be standing and looking down at the computer. You also yes. don't want to be standing 10 feet away from the computer. I would say if that's what you prefer, then then I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things I notice is students when they stand is they feel like then they're delivering, like they're trying to replicate the in-class experience, which is not the case. You know, all of a sudden they're they're moving and they're, you know, they're pacing side to side, they're adding movement, or maybe their eye contact starts to shift side to side, which is not the case, you know, and I know right. we're maybe elaborate a little bit more on this, but it really, you have to drive into students and I drive into students is like your audience is through the camera. You, you're not delivering as if your audience is physically there where you do have to look around in different spots. So I think that becomes a problem when they're standing is they get that sense of like, oh, I'm standing. So I need to be doing this movement that we're being taught that if we are giving a speech on stage or in front of an audience that we need to be doing and they try to build that in because it's almost every student I see who stands, they're doing that. They're turning their eye contact around when it's like really there. So I don't know. I think sitting helps drive it home that your audience is in front of you. It's that camera that's right in front of you. So that's something that I notice when my students have stood and I have to tell them, no, your audience is in front of you. You have to remember that. So I think sitting helps drive, you know, focus in on where your audience is. Yeah, the, the eye contact, oh, I completely agree with you. I, you know, I think the eye contact, it, it needs to be in a virtual presentation, it needs to be delivered to the camera lens. And in some cases, it can be difficult to just continue to look at that small black dot at the top of your screen, especially if you're doing like a like what we're, you know, like when you're using a program, a couple programs where the audience is there and you can see them where I right. know when like I know when you're recording speeches, you're, you don't really see the audience because I don't do synchronous speeches. So when you are recording it, it might be a little bit easier, but in a session where you do have a team meeting uh, or, you know, a department meeting or whatever, and your audience is there you want to look at your audience, but then your eye contact moves away, whereas it's still that camera. Your camera is still where their right. eyes. Right. I, I would tell students that sometimes I advise them to put like a post-it or something right on top of the camera lens because it gives you a wider uh, point of focus rather than sort of just that small black dot at the top of your screen. You know, if you put like a, a you know, a large pink post-it, not over the camera lens, obviously, but just above it, it gives you, you know, a wider, uh, a wider point to focus. That's on. a great, that's a great point. I'll have to try that. Um, what I usually tell my students, well, a couple of things I tell my students, number one, don't have your script on the screen. Yes. Because the glare on the glasses, glare on the glass, glare on the glasses. But then uh, when it comes to eye contact and they're looking at the screen, there's this distance that becomes zombie-like. It's like you're, they're looking through you and they're not looking at you. Right. And a lot of students the last year and a half or last year that we've been doing sort of more virtual speeches, I have lost points on their speech evaluations because, yeah, technically they are sort of making eye contact, you know, because they're not looking away. They are looking at the computer screen, but they're not looking at the audience. They need to be looking at the audience, not what's on their screen. 
Um, so what I tell students is I'd rather have their notes and I'm going to take your advice Annette, and have them maybe like post-its or something up front yeah. so they can there, but to have their notes in front of them, not yeah. off to the side, not Correct. off to the side, even if it's very close, you know, with your computer on your computer desk off to the side, directly in front of you, right on your keyboard. So I'd rather have them look down and then look back up. I think it's a more natural because yeah, you're gonna have to refer to your notes. I mean, that's just, I allow them to use the notes. I don't require they memorize their speeches. So I'd rather have them look down and then back up at their audience and keep with the, the main focus on the audience, not reading their notes. Yeah, absolutely. I tell them to print it as well. Um, sometimes if you have, you know, if you have the, a hard copy in front of you, one of the things yeah. that you can do too, is you can hold it just to the right or to the left of the camera lens. And it's, 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 you know, then you only have a small uh, movements between the camera lens and yeah, the absolutely right, right in front of you you know it's it's better than kind of having it down like on the keyboard or down on your lap because then your head drops down That's a good when point. your head drops down in a virtual presentation it can skew the audio it you know it it also skews the eye contact i mean we would advise that in both if you were delivering face-to-face -face or right. or virtual right <laughs> yeah problem yeah the thing with having it like your notes set to the side like i have a notepad next to me if you know, if this were you were looking at my face and I had referred to my notes, yeah, you know, then all of a sudden you turn away and I'm gonna stick there a lot longer than if even if I glance down, you know, and I'm experienced public speaker, so I can glance down and look back up, you know, very subtle. You might you might see a small dip. I know students they they kind of want to really dip down. So yeah. Yeah. How about how do you, so now that we're talking about this, you know, digital technology, and again, there's a bunch of different programs out there that particularly we've seen, uh, you know, an, an increase in them since the pandemic hit. Uh, how do you recommend students optimize digital technology? You know, I'm fortunate enough to have a school that or has anyone, a- professionals for- Oh yeah. Um, there's a few things, you know, obviously the practice comes in. Um, if you have, if you know you're gonna be doing a lot of these, and say you work in industry, invest, invest in good quality material. But for students, you know, obviously you're kind of given what you're given. And instructors, we're given what we're given. So um, we have a program at my school that we use that I actually like, and I recommend my students use it. I don't require it, but I may, if we continue with recorded speeches, um, use because this particular program allows for the student. And so I, I require visual aids for three of my four speeches. And this program really is great because I can split my screen half and half and have half visual aid, half student. There are other programs out there, a lot of the more common ones that people use for meetings, whereas you get the visual aid, you share your screen and all of a sudden the speaker is this little box on the corner. And I don't know if there's functionality where it can flip where you can see the speaker versus the, the presentation aid. So you end up losing one or the other. When I grade speeches, I wanna see both, you know? And if I, I mean, if I had the choice, obviously the speaker is what I, I prioritize for public speaking, my fundamentals course. Mm -hmm. Now in some business presentations, maybe the visual aid is more important because mm -hmm. you know, if you are presenting a contract and you have PowerPoints and you're showing data, that might be to the team more important. But for our courses, for online learning, I need to see both. Are students incorporating a visual aid? Um, what's on that visual aid? And I need to be able to grade and evaluate the speaker's movements, eye contact, body language, all of that. So I need to be able to see both. And so I, if, if possible, if you have a program that does that, 
I agree. Right. That's what but I not, recommend. Not every program does that. You know, sometimes right. one over the other, either the speaker or the presentation. So absolutely. So I, I guess I say I'm lucky. To, I'm lucky to have that yeah, technology. That it that that's that's great because it really you know <clears throat> I always tell my students it's not just a matter of what you say it's also how you say it and and by that I'm I mean you know their their verbal controls their nonverbal controls you know eye contact hand gestures facial expressions yeah. body posture there's a great TED there's a great TED talk out there by Richard Green who has analyzed speeches for like thirty some years he talks about the seven secrets of the greatest speakers in history and throughout his seven secrets. One of his secrets is um, that your voice or the, the words you use, simply the words you use, only accounts for 7% of the impact of a speech. It's the body language and tone of voice that really have that greater impact. And so we need to be able to see that. And so, um, I like I say, I am lucky to have this particular program that we use. Yeah. where we can see both you know and i know a lot of the more common ones it's a little bit more difficult it is it's that's not always an option on all of the technology and I, would, I would say if it is an option then split equally yeah. but in some of the more well-known programs um that might not usually what do you prefer what do you prefer if that's the case because I, mean, I think in our conversation you said you have the programs you have you it don't is have one the ability to split equally. Yeah. Yes. So what and do you prefer? Students have the preference to favor one over the other. And I let them really do what they're more comfortable with. But as a public speaking instructor, you know, they send me the PowerPoint notes. So I am able to grade the notes at a later time after okay. they're done delivering the speech. So if they were to, if they had the option, you know, to favor one over the other, I would say to put them themselves you know the primary point of focus and the visual aid the secondary point of focus yeah. however if this were a, a business setting or a corporate setting or a conference where you don't always have access to the notes afterwards i would say that that flips around i would say to favor the visual aid and then favor this and then make the speaker the secondary point of focus so i really in that situation where you don't have the option i think it really depends on um the the, the situation I agree. What about sound quality? Because that's another thing that I've found that uh, not all computers pick up sound quality equally. And, um, you know, and that's something that I, I struggle with. I get a lot of recordings that are staticky and I have to be I have to be careful because, again, I can't assume students can go out there and spend even twenty five dollars on recording equipment. But what are your thoughts on on that? I mean, what is it? Yeah. So uh, this can be a, a problem because it, it impacts our ability to hear the speaker. And if we can't hear what they're saying, you know, that's that really <laughs> impacts yeah. our ability to kind of understand that message. So I would say the first thing I would do before you present and both in the practice, I would say just sit in the room for, you know, 15, 20 seconds and just listen to the noises in the room in quiet. See what are the natural noises? Do you hear the traffic outside? Do you hear the hum of the air conditioner? Do you hear, uh, you know, the dishwasher in the background? Do you have roommates running around? You know, do you have a, like a party that's going on two dorms down, right. you know, or do you have uh, your- Exactly, right? I mean, sometimes you can't control that. You know, some, you know, if you have, you know, living in a dorm, there's people in the hallway or you right. have dogs at home, you know, sometimes some things are you may not be able to control every single sound oh, absolutely but certainly trying to mitigate any noise distractions ahead of time 
um, it's definitely something I, I would advise. Yeah, I mean, and I do, I suggest, I do tell students, hey, you know, if you have a headset, use it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think any, even if you were in business, anybody's going to complain that you're using a headset with a microphone. I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. And it actually will help you sound better. You know, um, I know we've done recordings in the past where I've went back and listened to them like, no, I need to get my headset. I need to get my headset because it sounds like I'm, a, I'm calling into a radio talk show because it sounds right. very right not good it doesn't sound good so if you have that if you have that ability you know? yeah absolutely absolutely you know and again we can't force students but i think a lot of schools too you may want to check a lot of schools may have equipment to rent out um and this kind of goes in i'm going to tie this in with video quality too if you know your computer camera isn't the greatest i know my school does rent out uh, uh monitor cameras now you want to test it because when I've stopped using, I rented one for my office, but I stopped using it because I realized the way my computer is sit on my is placed on my desk, I pick up my file cabinet that's sitting above it, and there's not much I can do to. Ch I mean, I probably could take it off the docking station, but I admit I'm kind of lazy and it's on the docking station, so I I, I just stopped using it. Um, but there, check with your schools, find out if they do have equipment that they can rent out or loan you for a short period of time to really, because you want to go into these speeches, even if it's a class, even if you dislike public speaking and majority of the world, over 50% of the world dislikes public speaking to the point of not, you know, turning down public speaking opportunities. We get, as instructors, we get that, but try to think of this in the mindset of, you're doing this to better yourself for the future. So every speech you do, do what you can. Rent, go and ask your uh, technology resources on your campus. Do you have a headset or a microphone that I can plug into my computer to pick up my audio quality there? I would also say to, to do your research ahead of time and, and consider the programs that you're using. Some of the more you know well-known programs like Zoom, they have uh, features that, and I don't specifically um, I don't specifically use these features, so I couldn't speak to them directly. But some of these more well-known programs have features where you can ahead of time you can help um, you know you can try to control the the audio and the video, and you can adjust some of those settings accordingly. So definitely, you know, knowing which program you're using ahead of time and looking into are there ways that you can uh, optimize the video and sound quality prior to presenting your presentation yeah. uh, would also be another thing that I would advise. Yeah, take, you know, like, again, going back to what we were talking about in practice, if my any of my students were ever listening to this podcast or anybody, you know, I think, I mean, I think as instructors setting up practice modules in your learning systems or having a place where students can submit practice things so they can test stuff out. And don't, now, whether they take advantage of that or not, you know, that's up to the students. But I do, I, I tell students, hey, practice the stuff, send it to me, let me listen to it, let me get my, get my feedback. Even if it's just a 30 second sound clip, or if it's your full speech in advance, you want me to pick out these things so you can go back and fix them. You know, you have to try it. You can't just rely on it because we know we've worked with technology enough. There's enough research out there to know that technology is going to guarantee to fail. It's like taxes and death. It is going to happen. Yeah. You can give a hundred speeches and you could be on that hundred and first speech. Like I've never had any issues that 101st speech is going to hit you. Right. So you have to have that back. You have to practice with, you have to have that backup plan, test it out, 
research in advance, you have to put the time and effort into it, just like anything else, you have to put the time and effort and know what to do in case it, it um, technology goes out and have that backup plan. So, yeah, I think just some of the key um, takeaways from today, Rick, what would you just, you know, wrapping things up here, what would be your key takeaways that you would advise, you know, public speaking instructors or, or any professionals that are considering virtual presentations? Yeah, you know, one of the things I think we mentioned, um, I'm going to throw it into key takeaways, but when you are presenting your speeches, you know, this kind of goes into background environment. Don't be lazy. Even if you're a student, don't be don't be delivering laying on your couch doing the selfie thing with your computer or your phone. You know, I guess the biggest key takeaway is consider this. I always tell students this class. Think of my class as you are on the job hmm. and it comes to deadlines, quality of work, expectations. So the key takeaway for me is practice. Plan, prepare, anticipate. Don't wait to the last minute on your deadlines. Anticipate your technology is not going to work. Anticipate when you are loading your, your, say you record your speeches and you're loading it into the, you know, generic Dropbox that you have or wherever you're submitting your speech, the assignment, that your technology, the internet's going to go out. Anticipate all of those different environments. That's another thing. I don't think we brought that up plan for how to how to deal with them. Yeah, I think that's something we didn't actually bring up specifically, but um, different people live in different areas, you know, so some people were on campus and they were sort of hunkered down in their dorms, others decided to do almost all virtual learning. Know your internet, know the quality of your internet, not all internet quality is equal. Right. And I've some, seen that happen before where yeah. Where cuts out or something and you know absolutely so i think that's something we forgot to mention so that's another key takeaway too is just knowing your technology practicing it using it asking questions you know i think as instructors we can we've gotten thrown into this but i think we can pick up on it pretty quick and we play around and we kind of know what we're expecting we get that picture in our mind um kind of drawing my my inner walter lipman here that picture in my mind um vision in our heads yeah, yeah divisions in our head of what we're expecting. So ask your instructors, don't think you know everything. It's okay to ask questions. I want students to ask questions. I want, I tell students, hey, I want to see your practice videos. I want to give you that feedback before you submit the final thing, because I want you to do the best and pick those things out. So I think the key takeaway is just really, really the practice, um, you know, and if you do get evaluations from your instructors that says, hey, here's what I noticed, the glare, the lighting, please, please take that into consideration and practice and work that into your next speeches. Absolutely. So now, what about your key takeaways? Yeah, absolutely. I think you really summarized everything really, really well. Uh, the practicing, you know, I can't stress that enough. And especially because we're talking about virtual presentations, practicing with the technology that you plan on presenting, practicing in the attire you plan on presenting. So you with your visual aids? With your visual aids, uh, basically recreate the speech in its entirety um, and, you know, present that speech, see what it looks like, see what it sounds like, see how your attire looks, see how your jewelry looks, see what that lighting, practice at the, the same time, if you know you're going to deliver that speech at noon, you know, practice it at noon a couple days in advance so you can see what that lighting looks like, you know, yeah. now that obviously that could change, you know, depending on, on a variety of factors. But. Actually, 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Please. Oh, I, I happened to think of something as you're talking about this. Um, one of the things that students, and I may be jumping back, I apologize for this, but one of the things that I know students tend to do is like they feel like, okay, they can record it, so they can record it over and over. But what is it, what is your thoughts about, I tell students they have to do it in one take. And I take a huge amount of points off evaluations if I see that they're stopping and starting and there's that really clear glitch, yeah. that, that skip. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, are you kind of do it one and done? I mean, I don't care how many times they record it up to, but they have to submit the one take. Absolutely, your, yes. Okay. One, one take because when you're presenting in you know face to face you don't have that ability sure to, you know stop take a break start over repeat so yes i would say in the same way that you have to go through the entire speech when you're face to face it's the same idea in, in a virtual presentation even if you're recording it absolutely okay i just that just jumped into my mind i thought about it as one of the things that um i would have added that's not to say that you can't record it a couple times and you know see which take that you prefer that's fine yeah absolutely but but you know you don't want to record the introduction and then you know edit it and go back and then record the body of the speech at you know and then and then two days later record the, because you're yeah. wearing red one day and blue yeah, the next exactly. day and all of a sudden it's you know you can see that you can see that the jump cut that happens you know the i do i is or the light changes or it's it's kind of a giveaway in that i see a student I, I literally saw a student put on the head their cursor over the start and stop button and click it and the times didn't match up and so it right. was too bad because it was a pretty we, we know we we know when when students do that so i would say no that yeah. you know if you're, if you're pre-recording and you want to try a couple takes and then you want to pick and choose which take you think looks the best and submit that that's fine but it you know introduction body conclusion has to go straight through Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think, I, I think we covered everything. And so, yeah. you know, really, it comes down to the practice and working with the technology. It, it yeah. is stressful. I get it. It is stressful for a lot. If you don't, you know, for some instructors who have had no online, you know, they're used to the face to face. This is tough. Um, for some of us who have done the online, it was a it was an inconvenience. I think it was more the students were stressed out about learning new technology. And you know, I've learned stuff over even over the course of a year and, you know, one academic year of things I'm doing different and every semester I've changed and made more clear. But I think it really comes down to practicing getting used to it because it is going to be a very, very like you mentioned back in the in the beginning, this isn't going away. We are going to be using video recording video presentations. I mean, they're already there. And I remember one of the ver first video interviews I did and how it was very, there was that delay and that delay is gone. The technology is catching up. So this is going to be something that we do for cost quality or for cost savings. Um, and it's just something that you need to be a professional at and students need to- Regardless of the industry. Yeah, regardless of the industry and students need to realize and instructors need to realize that while it might be inconvenience now because it is so new and you know we kind of think it in the terms of like okay we're being locked down in this global pandemic we're being forced to do this we got to get out of that mindset and say this is going to happen regardless and this is going on and it has been going on it's just it's going to be that term that I'm getting sort of sick of saying, but it, it, it really is true. It is the new normal. And you are going to have to know this. And it's not every speech is going to be standing in front of a, you know, front of 200 people or 50 people in an auditorium or in on a stage in front of people with a microphone, it is going to be virtual. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so Rick, this, 
Yeah, this was uh, so much fun. Thank you for uh, taking the time to speak with me today. I really liked our exchange of ideas. I think yeah, absolutely. Part, we were in agreement. I think we'll agree to disagree on the on you know some some points here. Um, I've but, learned some stuff. I learned some stuff that I'm going to uh, incorporate. Yeah, no, the the three rule and some other things. Uh, the the practice time. I'm going to incorporate that into my instruction in the future. So, I, my students are going to fall out of the my students are going to fall out of their chairs when I tell them, okay, for every hour or one minute or whatever the the statistic was, you know, one minute, one hour for every three minutes or whatever it is. What one hour for every minute? Again, it's, a loose, it's a loose guideline that really just you know emphasizes that students it, don't students don't need to know that's a loose guideline that's my expectation <laughs> i want i want timesheets oh that's that's yeah that's uh oh man timesheets that's that's opening a, a can of worms yeah all right annette well it's been a pleasure always a pleasure working with you and hopefully we can work together again circle you, my friend yes you as well take care thank you, you. yep bye-bye